Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Throughout the month of December, the Ringer staff will be releasing their year-end reviews covering the best and worst of 2019 in sports, TV, movies, music, and more. This week, we're getting started with Shay Serrano and Rob Harvilla on the best albums of the year, and Allison Herman and Chris Ryan break down the best TV shows. We'll have tons more in the coming weeks, so make sure to check it out on TheRinger.com. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Julia Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. We're doing a gift guide today. I'm so excited. Tis the season. We haven't really discussed this, but that's the way it should be. Yeah. Can't wait to see what you pick. And we're going to do five books and five other things each. And it's going to be really fun. Can't wait to see if we overlap on anything. But before we got some celebrity news, let's just get right into it. Amanda, tell me about Dakota Johnson and what's going on with her and Ellen. So I wanted to talk about Dakota Johnson for a number of reasons. There was a clip of Dakota Johnson on the Ellen show that went around over kind of the late Thanksgiving. I would say it was post-Thanksgiving, but the weekend when everyone is kind of traveling back. And I wanted to talk about it for several reasons. But first, I'll just tell you what happened, which is that the clip is of Dakota Johnson talking about her birthday party. And I believe it was her 30th birthday party. And Ellen does kind of one of her Ellen wisecracky things about how, you know, she was like, and I wasn't invited. And Dakota Johnson (laughs) corrects Ellen and explains, reminds her that she was in fact invited, which Ellen didn't know. And instead of playing it off, it becomes a two minute discussion about how Dakota Johnson had been on the show previously and didn't invite Ellen to her birthday because she didn't think Ellen liked her, but then Ellen made a big deal of it. So she like did like her. And she just keeps kind of being not awkward necessarily, but just a little too honest. And Ellen kind of doesn't know if she's being pranked. And Ellen doesn't really feel in control of the situation, so she's not totally playing along. And then she asks her producers if she was, in fact, invited. And her produ- Or, I'm sorry, Dakota Johnson asks Ellen producers <laughs> to confirm that she was invited. And they're like, yeah, you were traveling that weekend. And the clip goes on for about two minutes. So this went around as everyone thought that Dakota Johnson was being hilarious and amazing and kind of just calling Ellen or someone else on their bullshit, I guess. You know, the thing of you want to confront your friend for whatever. I'm not really sure. That's my best understanding of why it went viral. But can I tell you what the kicker is and why I think it's amazing? Yes, please do. Do you know where Ellen was when she was out of town the weekend of Dakota Johnson's 30th birthday party? With George Bush at the Dallas Cowboys yes, game? Yes, she was. Incredible. That was the weekend. <laughs> and I find it amazing. That's really, really funny. It's wow. really, really good. I have to, That's according to Twitter, by the way, and I haven't fact-checked it because I don't want to. So if, if the weekend's down at that, please don't tell me because it is such a funny capstone on Ellen just not being self-aware and Seriously. not willing to be among the people or even go to people's birthday parties or even play along. It's, yes, that is apparently where she was that weekend, which is really funny. The other reason I wanted to talk about this Because, quite frankly, I've never been a huge Dakota Johnson fan. I thought she was very good in The Social Network. Who is she in The Social Network? So she is the girl that Justin Timberlake, as Sean Parker, has a one-night stand with at Stanford. And then he wakes up. Yes. yes, And she's, like, addicted to Facebook. And she also has the great line of, he says he's an entrepreneur. And she's like, what was your latest preneur? But that is, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
very good. But that's Dakota Johnson. I also thought she was very good in the five-year engagement, which was not a movie I was a fan of otherwise. But I haven't seen it. I believe it's Jason Siegel and Emily Blunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar. I just never saw it. Eh, it's, it's not as happy as you want it to be, but Dakota Johnson has a couple fantastic scenes. Anyway, I think she's a good actor. I have never really understood her sort of like low-key, non-energetic interview vibe. And that's also how I would describe her hair, which it's not really nice to make fun of someone's hair, but she has nice hair and she never tries. Anyway, moving on. The point is, I really like Dakota Johnson after this. And that's what I wanted to say. I was wrong. You're in. This was pretty entertaining. You're all in now. Yeah. I just kind of, you don't get people on these types of shows being normal that often. And she did kind of seem normal. And she definitely has like, I'm a child of Hollywood entitled, you didn't come to my birthday party vibes, but like in a low key way. And Ellen didn't come to her birthday party. Ellen went to see the Cowboys with George W. Bush. So there we go. And got a lot of flack for it. Would have been a lot better if she'd gone to the party. Yeah. Anyway, just a really good serendipitous celebrity moment, you know? Yes. Great stuff. Good job. Great stuff. And love it when it all comes full circle like mm-hmm. that. That's really beautiful. Next, moving on. Some Crown adjacent news. Lily James, one of our favorite actresses here on James Session, kind of, was <laughs> um, out and about last night for basically the British Tonys, essentially. And she was not seen with her former beau, Matt Smith, who previously played Prince Philip in The Crown. And now he is rumored to, or the Daily Mail has suggested he has, quote, formed a close friendship with the Crown co-star, Claire Foy. So, what does that mean? So, this is a real, we should do a textual analysis of the Daily Mail article. Because when even the Daily Mail is not willing to say in a straightforward way that A, Lily James has broken up with Matt James, and then B, Matt James is now in a relationship with Claire Foy, you know there's probably nothing there. Like, even the Daily Mail is just kind of suggesting but not saying anything, which, frankly, I kind of respect. It's like old-school tabloids. You're supposed to connect the dots yourself. And I will say, the Daily Mail has been quietly pushing this narrative for a while. They have definitely been publishing photos of Claire Foy and Matt Smith on a walk together around London. They're currently starring a play together in London, and they've been publishing those photos. So the Daily Mail is pushing a narrative here with that I think anyone who has seen seasons one or two of The Crown would be excited for, even though these are real people living their real life and other people do get hurt. But I don't know. If Claire Foy and Matt Smith actually started dating... I would be kind of excited. I have to be honest. Sure. Love when a showmance becomes a romance. Sure. But the Daily Mail article is not suggesting that. We should be honest. The Daily Mail is just pointing out that Lily James and Matt Smith have not been seen together in recent months, which is true. (laughs) And that someone else is saying that Matt Smith and Claire Foy have formed a close friendship, in quotes. So you're just supposed to read between the lines. Now, I'm very ready to read between the lines here. I, In fact, I already have. I love the use of quotation marks. I thought, like, lets them off the hook. I guess that probably does in whatever the law is in the UK. I do think that it's a legal use of, it's for legal reasons. But I, I just really, I don't want anyone to get their hopes up. I'm not getting my hopes up because I know that this is all a lie. But it would be pretty exciting. I completely agree. Let's do it. Also, I feel like, I just feel like Claire Foy could use a boost with a, with a high-profile relationship. 
Yeah, she has been doing smaller movies and things. I think she's doing fine. You know, she was sure she was the. Queen. She probably could be doing more if she wanted to. I think that's true, and I think she took on like in, quote interesting projects as opposed to kind of big money making things, sure. which which I respect. You know, sometimes those work out, sometimes those don't. But I want happiness for Claire Foy. I'd like to see her more in things. Did you see that she is? She filmed a season four cameo of The Crown. I sure did. That's sure exciting. Did. It is. I really think I've had enough in terms of season four spoilers, even though I know you can't spoil history. But that I was excited about. I'm glad to know. I'm excited about it, too. I'm just, just loving The Crown. I have one episode left in season four. Or okay. season three, excuse me. All right. So great. So, so great. Before we get into our gift guides, earlier on Monday evening, UK time, Prince Andrew's accuser, Virginia Roberts, did a sit down with another BBC News program called Panorama, which, by the way, was recorded before his aired. Mm -hmm. So it's actually old. And there was just immediately like several stories coming out of uh, on the Daily Mail and uh, and in really every major British newspaper. And um, we're recording this on Monday shortly after it aired in the UK. And it's just to say this is like definitely not a scandal that is winding down. If anything, there will be more to come from it. And it's really quite bleak. Yeah, there's nothing fun about this. These are just serious and depressing allegations about sex trafficking. And to your point, yeah, it doesn't seem like the Prince Andrew part of this story is over or that this is the last that we'll hear about him in connection to these cases, whether he will testify remains to be seen. I think in terms of the royal family also, there have been a lot of stories focusing on on, on the behind the scenes of Prince Charles kind of shoving Prince Andrew out of the family, which seems responsible at this point. Well, you know, again, nothing is confirmed here. We don't, you know, we only know what the various sides have said. And he has obviously denied all of these allegations, but it is not great news for the royal family. And it continues to put him in the spotlight at at a time when nobody really knows what's going on with the royal family. And I really have noticed the, what is the future of this? Will Prince Charles take over? All of those stories coming at a much quicker pace than they were even six months ago. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's pretty wild. We'll um, keep talking about it as it keeps unfolding. And now it's time for our gift guides. Thank you to the person who suggested that we do this on Twitter. Yes. Thank you very much. It's a, it was a delightful suggestion. It was Abby Bauman. Thank you so much to her. Um, and Abby, at out Abby Baumwoman. Hope we don't let you down. We're going to do our best. And Amanda, what was your philosophy in putting together your personal gift guide? Thanks so much for asking because I was going to ask you the exact same thing. I went for a pretty pure expression of self, possibly because that's the only way I can do anything in my life, as listeners of this podcast know. So I started with a lot of books, as I knew you would too, and we capped the books at five. But I wouldn't say that I did like, I don't think you're going to be surprised by some of these picks. You, Juliette Lemon, a person who knows me well and has to listen to me talking all the time. So I feel bad. This is not the ideal content for Juliet. Okay. But I, I am hoping that some of these things that I really do like and enjoy and like read or use on a regular basis will be applicable to other people's lives. So I went for personal expression and also possibly hopeful like gift usefulness. 
I did something similar. I was sort of like, what are some book happy places for me and like places, like books that I would like to live in? Mm-hmm. And so I, that was kind of my initial guiding principle. And then I was like, what are my favorite things that I use on a daily basis that like I would be so happy to give to someone else? And yes. and yeah, I, I just sort of was like, what are the things that I love and would want other people to love as well? <laughs> so that was how I thought of it. Also, like, I've come to realize that all of my favorite things are like really also quite inexpensive. So I hope the listener is happy with that as well. But I don't know. It was like fun to think about like what are the things that make me happy that I would like to give as gifts. And also if I didn't already have them would be so excited to have as a gift. Yeah. I really, I was just kind of staring at my house for a while being like, would anybody want this? Would anybody want this? (laughs) Spoiler alert. Most things in my home, people would not want. But I did try to pick a few things. So we'll see. And I mine will, is definitely uh, British tinged, I would say. I guess um, mine sort of is. I kind of feel like mine is deeply unoriginal at the end, but I always feel that way. Can I just say, sure. I find giving a like gift giving to be, it's maybe not a skill. It's maybe like the truest measure that someone is a really good and generous person and a creative person. I find it to be really hard. I don't think I'm a very good gift giver. I have people in my life who are just like tremendous gift givers and maybe I'm copying from them right now. But I do think I've done my best to be interesting because I think the act of giving someone a gift that they really are excited about or didn't expect is like one of the nicest things in the world. But, you know, if these don't work for you, and you have your own ideas, please follow them because you're probably better at it than I am. That's what I got. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just saying, follow your heart. At the end of the day, don't listen to me. Follow your heart and give the person the thing that will mean something to you and them. That's because that's what it's about. Should we start with books or should we start with others? Uh, Let's start with books. Okay. You go first. What's your first selection? This is the most obvious one, okay? And also, I'm cheating, and it's two. It's the Tina Brown gift set, and it's the Diana Chronicles, and it's the Vanity Fair Diaries. Pair them together for the person who is interested in British things or royal things or celebrities, really. I know that the Princess Diana book is about Princess Diana, but I do think it gives, like, a peek behind the scenes at how the media works and how— how celebrity has kind of evolved over the last 20 years. And the same is true, actually, of any Fair Diaries in the way, which is about 80s in New York. But if you like magazines and or if some anyone in your life likes magazines and celebrity profiles and and famous people, it's a good read. That sounds great. That's a great recommendation, honestly. A book gift set is even better. And on that note, my first recommendation is the David Lodge trilogy. Yes! Which also extremely on brand. David Lodge is a novelist who I surely have mentioned on this podcast before as he's my favorite, one of my three favorite living writers. And he famously wrote a trilogy for which one of the books won the Man Booker back in the 80s. And the three books are Changing Places, Small World, and Nice Work. And they are all set in the fictional academic town of Rummage in England, which is like basically Birmingham. And it's about hapless academics and sort of commentary on British life from the 70s through the 80s. And if I could live in one city, fictional or real, it would be Rummage. And I absolutely love these books. I would live in Rummage if I could. I've actually read every David Lodge book published. 
And ever since I finished the last one, I've been in search of a world that I could inhabit in the same way, and I haven't found it yet. And I, even talking about it makes me feel wistful and sad because I am sad I've already experienced all of his books, and I really wish this happiness on so many other people who love to read and love a comedy of manners. I love it. it that is really, it's a, it's a peak Juliet recommendation in the nicest way, which is, thank, that's- Thank you, you so much. If you want to feel closer to Juliet, it's David Lodge books. Even I know that. Um, That's really okay. nice. Next, and love a, I can't wait to find out. Love a book set. Okay, this one isn't a surprise to you either. Uh, my next is the book Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. If, when you first said you were going to cheat, I thought you were going to recommend Life After Life and A God in Ruins together. I mean, that is a set that you can do. I also could have just recommended the entire Kate Atkinson oeuvre because she also has a detective series. The Jackson Brody's detective series started with Case Histories. And it is true that Life After Life and God in Ruins are— a pair of sorts. But I think Life After Life stands on its own as one of the best novels. It's certainly one of the best, my top five novels that I've read. And I think it doesn't need the companion. I'll give the brief synopsis, though. I really don't think it gives it justice. It is part of our Anglophile series. It is set in London, and it's a woman named Ursula who is born, I believe, right before World War One. She's it's the kind of That's 19- correct. Yes. And she is born to a middle upper class, but not aristocratic family in England, and also has the ability just to uh, restart her life every single time. So the book is this Ursula going through all the many different permutations that her life could have. It's sort of like the butterfly effect. In a novel, it's like, what happens if you walk down this lane instead? Or what happens if you uh, do go upstairs? Or, you know, or what happens if someone doesn't come home? Or what happens with all of the decisions that you make in a life? And how does that carry out in terms of your personal experience? And it is, that makes it sound a lot more kind of magical realism than it is. There is kind of almost nothing fantastical about it, which is what's so amazing. And I just think in terms of technique, Kate Atkinson is, like, unparalleled. It's amazing how easy she makes this look. And I just think it's breathtaking, and it can be quite bleak. And her powers of observation and of creating so many different worlds because she has to write every single life that this person lives. And sometimes they're two pages, and sometimes they're 100 pages. It's tremendous. I I love it so much. I would say it's a devastating book. It's really emotional. It is. I think my husband basically got mad at me because I'd been raving about it. And he was like, this is really, really depressing. Uh, yeah. when he finally my mom once did that to me, too. She recommended this wonderful book called Christadora to me, which is very good. Not on my list, though. It's, it's not an official gift guide pick, but very good. Christadora. And it was so fucking sad. I was like weeping on the beach when I finished it. And I was like, how could you have not told me how this ends? I was yeah. like, this is the saddest book I've ever read. Yeah. Life After Life is, is bleak. It's not totally a hopeful book, even though it talks about, like, the possibilities of of many different lives. So fair warning, but also freaking love it. So that's my recommendation. Fantastic. I'm going to cheat for my second recommendation, but I've been thinking about these two books together a lot because they're really different. But again, like, my favorite novels are the ones where I just feel like the world is so rich. It's funny that I don't like fantasy because I feel this way. But I, like, love the world they have created so deeply that I— feel transported back to it when I think about it. 
And, you know, all these years later, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay still rocks. It's still so good. That is by Michael Chabon. And I feel like it's time for that book to have, like, a, a quasi-renaissance. Like, you know how, like, the aughts are back? I think that book mm-hmm. came out the, in the aughts. And, you know, we're approaching 20 years later, and it's still so fantastic. And I don't think there's, like, really any other American achievement quite like it. And I, I just really wanted to recommend it. And per, on a personal note, when I first moved to San Francisco in 2008, I uh, was lucky enough to meet Michael Shabon and his wife, Ayala Waldman, who are like two incredibly kind and generous people. And I knew them together. So I always think of them together, though they certainly are not defined by each other. And I just can't recommend one of his books without recommending one of hers. Like, I just feels wrong. And so I also wanted to recommend A Really Good Day by Ayala Waldman, which is a memoir and it is like one third history of war on drugs, one third history of LSD, and one third what's like to microdose when you are bipolar. And it's awesome. It's a really fast read, too. So I just recommend those together. A really good day by Ella Waldman and The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, which won a Pulitzer by Michael Shabon. I love the pairing. And I Thank really, you. I love the pairing. And it kind of makes me think that we, I think that this is a great first gift guide for jam session we're doing really well but like maybe we weren't ambitious enough in our pairing you know we should be pairing like <laughs> books and experiences and it's then wine like, and cheese together I know, and then maybe with our ultimate goal is that you and i start a travel company where we plan a trip and also the books that people the read list. on the trip yeah yes does that, that company fantastic. already exist I don't know if it doesn't. I, I'm all in on it. Okay. That's right. great. That's great. Anyway, those I love those recommendations. Great pairing. Good job by you. <laughs> Thank you. Your turn. Okay. My next up, I'm just I'm doing greatest hits here. Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, which I just think is an extraordinary novel that I've read a couple of times. I think that she is she, she's certainly on my top living novelists, just in terms of being able to evoke uh, both a, an entire world and often a world that I don't have a lot of experience with, which I um you know, find interesting and exciting, but also uh, characters who are instantly relatable, even if they are from uh, from a different life or time than you are. And I think Americana is both uh, very much of its of its moment, and also speaks to sort of some uh, timeless American issues. And is it's just readable. Also, I should warn, like very very difficult at times, but also ultimately. I, it has more hope than than life after life. And there are also parts of it that are very funny, and she just has such a great power of observation. So it's not a total downer, but I do remember just being— there are a few scenes in Americana where I was just really, really wrecked just by reading them. So fair warning, but also it's great, and you should read it. I love that book, too. I, I really loved it. I read it when I was in London, which was— um Worked out really nicely because there's a piece of it in London, if I recall correctly. Yes. And— uh it's really remarkable. Also, I recommend following her on Instagram. Do you follow her? Oh, I do. Her nieces run the account and like just post pictures of her wearing fancy outfits at speaking events. And yes. it's really sweet because the photos aren't really edited. It's just like a regular person posting pictures of their aunt, like in a but like a really glamorous, beautiful aunt. It's very, yes. it's very cool. She just has a that. great sense of style on top of everything else. Um, that's a great segue into my next recommendation, which I read after I read. Americana, which is my sister, the serial killer. Have you heard of this book? No. It's a great easy read. It's about two sisters who live in uh, Nigeria. And uh, one of them is a serial killer. And the other one is a nurse in a hospital. And it's sort of about the men 
that the serial killer sister dates. And it's told very, it's written very matter, matter of factly. And it's just like a really unexpected read. I really enjoyed it. And um, I think you would as well, Amanda. I'm going to put that on my list. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're so welcome. It's also like kind of like, it's a fast read and it's, it's pretty dark, but it's also kind of funny. I don't know. It's, it's just unique. It's really stuck with me since I read it about a year ago. My next one is one I've told you about before, but I feel like this is such a specific Amanda one that I just had to put it in. It's called The Spy War Red. It's by Aline Countess of Romanones, which just the name of the author alone really Incredible. tells you all you need to know. So this is a, like a semi-true story of a young woman who worked in the spy service for the U.S. during the uh, World War II, pre-CIA. And she was sent to Spain and her mission was to infiltrate Spanish aristocracy in order to identify the Nazis who had also infiltrated the aristocracy and tried to pass information back to the U.S. And that's kind of book one. Spoiler alert, though, she'll say it in the beginning and throughout the book. Um, after the war, she stays and marries a Spanish count and becomes part of the Spanish aristocracy herself. And you, oh my can, God. Def- you can definitely tell that in the writing. She is writing about this world from a place of knowledge and experience. But this first book is essentially a spy, a pretty matter-of-fact spy thriller talking about her missions in World War II and her work as a young woman spying for the U.S. in Spain during World War II. So it's, it is, the thing that I really like about it, she's a pretty good writer. She has, and she says she's fictionalized some stuff, and I, you know, both for security reasons and also because, come on, you know, she's writing about something from a long time ago. And, but it is, she writes with clarity and just that this kind of, you know that this stuff mostly happened or it's pretty close to it and it's pretty exciting and it's a spy thriller and it is also set in a, during World War II and in in Spain. And it's, I think she kind of has like a bullfighter who is trying to date her and she's like not really interested throughout the whole novel. It's it's pretty unique and very readable. And there are three in the series, though I think the first one is definitely the best. But I don't know. I had a great time with them. Okay, I'm in. That sounds (laughs) great. It's pretty good. (laughs) Next, for my next book, I, I would like to recommend the one you've bought for me that we've discussed so much, which is The Royal We. And oh, it's yeah. by, the, by the Fug Girls. And again, I wish that book was the real, real world. I had such a great time living in its rendering of Will and Kate, which turned out to be like Will and Kate with a dash of Meghan and Harry. Yes. And and I believe there's a sequel coming soon. So. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yes. I didn't know about that. I believe there's a sequel coming. So, therefore, wow. read it now. The Royal We by the Fug Girls. And you'll be ready when the next one comes out. Honestly, that was... I read a lot over the summer, and there's two books, or really three, that I really loved. We'll get to the other one in a minute. And um, I absolutely love the royal we. They are way more likable people than the actual royals, and that's one of the reasons why it's so great. Oh, my God, Juliet. I just So it's called The Air Affair, Air, H-E-I-R. It's yeah. coming out in June 2020. This is just, I mean, this is Christmas for Amanda <laughs> right now. I'm so excited. You, you do sound genuinely happy. I this is beautiful. No idea. This is news breaking in real time. I'm so delighted. I, I love know, that it's book. Great. I Me too. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was home. And my parents and I was just like reading a lot. And I just one morning started reading the the, um, the Royal We and like I didn't do anything else for the entire day. It was such a great day. 
<laughs> I'm so delighted. I think that's such a great recommendation. I just wanted to add, and I haven't read this book, though I think I'm going to while traveling for the year, but have you heard anything about Red, White, and Royal Blue? Yes, I actually have it, and I started it, but I just didn't get around to finishing it. But yes, my friend Caitlin bought it for me. Okay. So I think a lot of people really love this, and I think it's in the genre of it the is. Royal We as well. I'll tell you what it's about. It, okay. I did start it. I don't know why I didn't finish it. I'm going to get back to it. It is about the first son of America mm-hmm. getting into a fight and then having an affair with the like prince of England. Love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely going to read this. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. I'll bring it to you. I'll bring it okay. to you tomorrow. Oh, thank you. Okay. I would love that. No problem. My last book, again, if you listen to this all the time, then you're really bored and I'm sorry, but um, it's She Said by Jody Cantor and Megan Dewey, which I is the book that has stayed with me the, the most this year in terms of books that I've read. And so Jody Cantor and Megan Dewey were the New York Times reporters who broke the Harvey Weinstein scandal in the New York Times. And they wrote a book about the process of putting together those pieces for which they ultimately won the Pulitzer with Ronan Farrow. And I have found this book to be such a useful tool in terms of as a journalist, sort of, and a person who edits stories. Um, But I find it so fascinating to see how they worked and to kind of actually read the emails and the text messages from their sources and from the people who decided to speak with them and explain their own processes for participating in the story. And I also think it is um, such a—it's it, a great ca- encapsulation of that moment and what was accomplished and what still is to be accomplished and how much has changed and how much has not. I, I really just—I found it fascinating and timely and and really, honestly, like very readable. And I, it's it's like all the president's men for me. You just kind of want to know what happens. So I need to read it. You've definitely convinced me. I really need to read it. You know, it's 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 there for when you have time. I I think it maybe sounds like homework when you're talking about it in those serious terms. I think I just like put on my serious homework voice. And listen, it's talking about really important issues. And I was obviously groundbreaking journalism, but it is it's a page turner. It's fun to read. They're not writing a New York Times voice. They are writing from personal experience and it's exciting and and honestly emotional. And they do one more thing that I think is really amazing, which is they allow the the women who came forward to be the ultimate heroes. And the really dramatic moments in the book are when someone decides that yes, they're they're willing to be a part of the piece even at great personal cost. And they let those women have the shine and the and the moment and I I find that extremely powerful and and emotional. So it's not it's not just homework, but you know, only read it if you're interested. There are lots of books in the say. Did you did it make you wish that the New York Times allowed their reporters to be a little bit less hemmed in? No, because number one, they were allowed to read this book. And I think one thing that they talk a lot about in 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 she said is that no one could anticipate the way the size that Me Too would take and the size that the story would take and all the different permutations and um, what a source of power it is, but also kind of how, how uncontrolled everything is mm. and that there's so much information and none of us really knows what to do with all of it. And we don't really know how to take action. And so I appreciate that they are trying to be deliberate, you know, because it, there, is, there are so many things that we just don't know how to make sense of. I mean, the, the Prince Andrew situation is something that I, I think we know how to make a certain amount of sense of it. But there's just so much all at once 
that I appreciate, at least in their like day to day work, that they're just like we are gonna we're we're gonna put some some order around this and help you understand because that's that's the thing they are actually helping you understand what happened and taking you through the information in those pieces and in the book and that's really important. All right, great. Well, that's it. Makes it makes me feel better. We're not like missing out on stuff. No, no, no. Okay. Well, I'll check. I really need to read it. Thank you very much, Amanda. You're welcome. My final selection is a trendy book that I read also over the summer and also devoured and stayed in bed until it was done, uh, which is Fleischman is in Trouble by Taffy Broser-Ackner. And there was like a lot of buzz around this book in August. I feel like it like fell off a cliff really quickly. Like everyone who was going to read it has read it. But I'd like to get a second wave going because I thought this book was, while flawed, and like in retrospect, some weird decisions, narrative decisions, such vibrancy and so much voice, which is what I really respond to when I read, that I I just really loved it. And I had a great time in the book. And I think a lot of people could like it. I feel like it's really in line with Jam Sessions' um, point of view in many ways. Maybe not point of view, but interests, I should say. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely loved it. And I, I really recommend it. Fleischman is in trouble. I don't think it's falling off. I think it's being adapted into an FX series. And I do, I feel like people are. Is it on year end lists? It is. I believe it was on the Times' own list. Uh, the Taffy, the Brodesser Ackner is also on the staff for the Times. And I, yeah, I, I see it. I see it everywhere, which is good. It does seem like people are reading it. You know, it takes people, novels don't have like a three day window, like everything else in the internet. It's That's true. what's great about them. That's people true. People can discover them over time. That's true. Also, this is not on our list, but a book we both, both read and just enjoyed. The first fiction, because it starts with the letter A, in the New York Times 100 Notable Books was American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson, which we yes. just read. Great stuff. Great stuff. Just a really fun, fast read as well. I like a fast read these days. Well, you, you need variety, right? Like sometimes you're in the mood for like a project. Yeah. And sometimes you're in the mood for something. Sometimes you can, you want to read a depressing book or you know, don't want to, but you can handle it. And sometimes you're like, no, what I need to do is read The Royal We. And the great news is that The Royal We exists and is getting a sequel. What do I have to do to get a galley? I know it exists at this point. Oh, my God. That's a great point. If you're listening, all I want for Christmas is a galley of this book. I will. It can be uncorrected. I promise. I'll correct it myself for free if you'll let me read it. We got to be able to make that happen. Okay. Thank you. I I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't want to rush them. Writing books really hard. They can take their time, but I'm excited. Okay. Now it's time for our five other things. Amazing. Do you want to go first? I'd love to. Okay. Go for it. I'd like to recommend the beach mug from Helen Levy of Helen Levy Ceramics. Check her out on Instagram and at HelenLevy.com, I believe. H-E-L-E-N-L-E-V-I.com. Um, I love mugs. I, every single day on the way to work, do a really weird thing, which is instead of getting a to-go cup or like, you know, a cup with a, with a lid, I just bring a mug of coffee, holding it in my hand, backing out of my driveway, driving to work, and just drink it. And every day I wonder, will I spill my coffee? Will I drop this mug? Will something bad happen? And every day it's a challenge, and it's worth it on the days that I'm drinking from my Helen Levy beach mug. It's this beautiful ceramic, marbleized, partially marbleized blue slash gray ceramic mug. And it just makes me feel happy that I own it. I have so many mugs. It's one of my newest additions. It's one of my proudest additions. And I believe it retails for like around $68. So it's like, fa- it's a fancy mug. Mm-hmm. But 
But it's you use so it every day. It. And I it use it all the time. And it brings you, me joy. And you I just do love, love beverages. I love beverages. I love coffee. I love a warm beverage in the morning. And I particularly love drinking from my Helen Levy mug. Also, she's got really nice planters. I just check out her ceramics. I fucking love ceramics. And her stuff's really, really good. I recommend it. It's a great pick and a tremendous segue into my first choice, which also is by someone named Helen. Oh, my God. So I, <laughs> what well, a twist. <laughs> so I guess, actually, I think that there is a real Helen. But anyway, if you live in Los Angeles, then perhaps you are familiar with a wine store called uh, Helen's. There yes. are two locations, one in the John and Vinny's. But Helen's offers a wine club, which I know there are a lot of wine clubs, but I did this. I gave this to my husband for his, um, for something. I don't know, a while ago. And it was great because what they do is you just tell them what kind of wine you like, and then they will send you, like, very thoughtful recommendations. First of all, Helen's is just, like, a great wine store, and they have really excellent wine. But also, it was very clear that someone had, like, read my pretty imprecise and flaky descriptions of the types of wine I wanted and, like, given them a lot of thought and wrote notes explaining what we would like about them and sent it every month. And I just really enjoyed it. And it it felt actually like what you want from a wine club of someone like picking, picking things for you and taking your things into consideration. So I really enjoyed it. They only ship to California right now. But, I, you know, I have to assume in most places there is a, a local store that is Helen's-esque and that it's small and it's people who actually like want to talk to you. And I know talking about wine can be really annoying, but also there are people who know how to do it in a nice way. And they're usually women. And I have to assume that, you know, go find a wine store where people are willing to pick things out for you. It's so lovely. It's really nice when people who know things listen to you and then give you stuff tailored to your interests. It's amazing. That sounds great. Also, subscriptions yeah. are a really, like, great thing to come into. They I, are. I agree. Okay, next. My turn. I'd like to recommend the Kuyana Work Clutch monogram optional. I um, it's, it's not optional when it's from Juliet. <laughs> for me, it's a must. If, there's a, if a monogram's <laughs> an option, I can't resist. <laughs> I have this Kuyana Work Clutch in burgundy. It's a pebbled leather. It has my three initials, J-E-L, on them. And it's like the best going out bag I've ever had. You can fit your phone, your keys, like a little bit of makeup and like definitely gum and AirPods. And like you're good to go. And like what else could you possibly need? And it hangs really well. It's really easy to open. It's just like it is the perfect clutch and it's really classy. And of course, Kuyana is a noted favorite brand of Meghan Markle. Yes. I love I love Kuyana. I've heard some complaints about quality, but I think they've improved it over the years. And I, I also really, I like colored leather, like a, a nice deep color leather. And the, the burgundy is really lovely. So check it out. I appreciate that they just, they have the basics and a lot of options. And Fewer better is, is their motto. Yes. That's great. I enjoy that bag. I've seen it. And Thank it you. looks great on you. Thank you. Great I, I really you. love it. One of my faves. Okay, next. Your turn. All right, my, so I'm realizing now my second is actually a book, but it's an art book, so I think it okay. counts. And this is actually, I just put something on here that I want. I was in Philadelphia for Thanksgiving. My husband's family is from Philadelphia. And we got to go to the Philadelphia Art Museum, which is, you know, made famous in Rocky for the steps, but also has a lot of fantastic art. And in that museum, among their great art, they have a Cy Twombly exhibit called 50 Days at Ilium, and it's a series of Cy Twombly paintings inspired by the Iliad, which, like, I know that's a ridiculous sentence, but when you see the paintings, they're just, like, electric and exciting, and I 
got to be in a room with just the paintings for like 20 minutes. No one else was there. It was crazy. No one else was there. I couldn't believe it that you could just go and look at these like amazing works of art and it wasn't crowded like the Mona Lisa. Anyway, there is a book that uh, is just about these paintings that's called 50 Days at Ilium. And I almost bought it from the gift shop and like carried it back to LA, but then I didn't because my bag wasn't big enough. But if you know anyone who would be vaguely interested in any of those things, I think it would be a great gift. And it's also a category of gift, which is, you know, like a, a very nice art book is in itself like a piece of art and is something that people get really excited about. So it doesn't have to be this time Twombly book. It could be a lot of different things. But it's not something people will buy for themselves, but it's something that people will be very glad to have, including That's true. Me. I do love to give a Tashin book. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you can you can be flexible with it. But also, if you're ever in Philadelphia, go to the museum. Check this out. It's amazing. Once again, excellent segue because on my list, I just have an art museum membership, which I think is not something people often think to do. But if you live in really any decent-sized American city, like, you probably have a good art museum near you somewhere. And I feel like in this, like, crazy world and also, like, the digital world, I find art museums really peaceful and usually really engaging. And I, I'm i not a member of any art museums, but I would like to be because I think it's, like, I would just like to have more time spent perusing museums in 2020. So I encourage you to also encourage the people in your life to do the same. I think that's a great idea. Also sets up my next thing, which is also, <laughs> it's also art-related. Because this is, I, I I agree with you, like, actually looking at a real piece of art after just, like, staring at Instagram influencers all day is invigorating and restorative and exciting. And it doesn't have to be Cy Twombly. It doesn't have to be a Picasso. It can be, um, it, it you know, it doesn't even have to, it can just, if there's something creative and original that you can respond to, it's very exciting. And also, it's so exciting to get as a gift. And my husband has made a habit of giving me art as presents, which sounds really highfalutin, but again, we do not have any Picassos in our home. I just want to be really clear about that. But one thing that we do have is a really lovely um, David Shrigley print. And David Shrigley is a great artist. He kind of—would you call them— a lot of drawings and paintings and they have like a cartoonish quality, but that's yeah. that's rude to say to David Trigley. Anyway, if you're familiar with Sketch, which is the quote most Instagram restaurant in the world, the one with the pink booze in London, it also has a lot of David Trigley art. And we have a great David Trigley print, but I was looking to see what he was selling and there is something on his website that is, it's 45 pounds, so I don't really know what the exchange rate is right now or what it's going to be in two weeks, but you know, it's it's not a Picasso. And it's a banana rama poster, and it's it's a it's a weird letter to banana rama from David Shrigley, and it makes me laugh. And technically, it's about the relationship of someone to famous people, so it fits under the umbrella of jam session. And I think it's really funny. I'm kind of considering getting it for myself, but it's a great gift, and also just an idea of you know a poster, a something small that does not have to be super expensive. Or if you are an artist, the other most treasured thing I have is that a friend of my sister-in-law's once came to a party that we had at our apartment in Brooklyn and she like drew a cartoon about it and gave it to us. And it is like my most treasured possession. It's like when we are talking about how to evacuate in a fire, it's like we have to get each other and that one cartoon because it's so amazing. So art can be anything, but it's a great gift. I love it. That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> the gift of art. 
<laughs> exactly. In all forms. My next recommendation is far more materialistic. But hey, so it's mine. It's, so it's a fine. gift guide. I'd like to recommend to you and the people you love a sturdy barber jacket. I finally bought one last year. And I've never been happier. The, a barber jacket you've certainly seen on a royal. It's like a, a quilted coat. They often mm-hmm. have wax if it's because it helps keep it like waterproof-ish. And it's a classic look that you've also probably seen on people like um, Bernie and Ruth, Ruth Madoff. Some make nominee for this jacket, but you know what? I love it. It's a great look. I got a, a barber raincoat and I love it so much. It has some color blocking going on, red and blue. And I just feel so smart in like the British sense every time I wear it. And I think you can't go wrong with the classic British style like that. Yeah, I agree with it. I um, I have a fake barber jacket that I bought in Topman in like 2007 in New York. And number one, the shout out to Topman. It's still holding up, which is great. But I do, I have envy of, of your legitimate fancy barber jacket. It's, it's very just, useful. Oh my God. Large I, I, pockets. Yes. They're just, such, yeah. they're great jackets. And I, I always feel a little Kate Middleton-esque when I wear mine. It's great yeah. stuff. Truly great. My next is also super superficial, so that's great. And th- this falls under the category of things that you would never buy yourself. Though maybe you guys are all buying yourself Vintner's Daughter. In which case, you know what? Shout out to you. You are living your best life. Julia, do you know what Vintner's Daughter is? No idea. It is. A, it's. I think it's a serum. I think that's how we would classify it. It's a beauty product, and it's a kind of wine-esque or grape-based, I really honestly couldn't tell you, serum slash oil that is meant to put on your face to restore stuff, you know, so you look like a a baby or whatever. It's really great. I really loved it. It's far too expensive to to buy yourself, or at least it's, I'm not comfortable. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm using this up. It's not going to be around forever. How am I going to spend this much money on it? It's often on sale at various... Uh, you know, like Goop or Need Supply or one of those places. So you can make it, get it at a reasonable-ish price. It also does last a while, but it's it smells delightful. And I really did feel, I felt confident after using it. And that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That, that's great. <laughs> I don't know. It, and it smells really nice as opposed to most, most beauty products, which like smell like chemicals and death. So it's great. Someone will be delighted to receive it. Incredible. I was. Incredible. In conclusion, I'd like to recommend fancy candles for the people you love. This is why. Sh- Juliet, shut up. That is literally also my last, my last thing. I, Incredible. So I, I have Incredible. like I have a specific subset of candle, but that is literally also my last. Okay, go ahead. That's amazing. Here's the thing about fancy candles. They make you feel great <laughs> and relaxed and calm. And they're fucking expensive for what they are. Like a really good candle is like $50 or more. And it's not always worth it. But then when you get one as a gift, I'm like, when I get one as a gift, I'm truly happy to have them. Like, it makes me feel better. I look forward to lighting them at the end of the day. I like to take a shower with it with a candle. It's yep. just, it's just great. And I think that it actually is like, an, it's like a gift that people joke about, but it's now an underrated gift. And I would love to receive a fancy candle. Yeah, because the other thing is, it's like you do use them and yes. then and then they're done. So, and again, it's like, I agree. I don't really go out and buy them for myself, but I'm so delighted to have them. Do you have any specific candles that you've enjoyed that you'd like to recommend to the people? Um, God. I mean, I like the sandal candles. I honestly do. I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. What's that other brand that's really popular that I really like, obviously? 
They have it in anthropology. Mm. I can't remember. I'm, the thing is, I, my problem with fancy candles is I don't have like the mind for it, but I love them. Okay. So please yeah. buy them for me. Okay, I will. I have I have two specific types of candles that I'd like to recommend. Please. Number one is the Ojai candle from Decor, spelled D-E-K-O-R. Fantastic. I find that I do have a hard time with, like, I'm sensitive to scents. So, like, a super powerful or, like, a super sweet or just in-your-face candle can be a bit much for me. But this is citrus, which is my happy thing and is not overpowering. And I I did first buy it in Ojai, which is a lovely town in California that I recommend. Uh, you'll definitely see some famous people there. But it's it's great. You can order it online. Very, very soothing and not too powerful. The other is actually a dinner candle. And this is really ridiculous. But talk about things you will literally never buy for yourself and then receive as a gift and just be like, this is amazing. I received a bundle of hot pink dinner candles. You know, like you would put uh, like for a candlelit dinner or whatever, except instead of being whatever white beeswax candles, they're just hot pink. And I got to tell you, I love using those things. They are delightful. I feel so cool. I instantly feel like I'm an architectural digest. You know, it's not like, because who has hot pink candles? No one. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get a photographer over to your place, ASAP. I know. Um, they are, I ha- I can put the link in the show notes. They're from a place called, or the ones I have are from a place called like Heldsburg Shed. It's heldsburgshed.com. But, you know, any sort of colored candle, any sort of like dinner candle, et cetera. There's not, I, I don't feel like our generation spends a lot of time being like collecting candelabra and I think that's uh, right. I also think dinner candles are a great present. Yeah. And, you know, I have one small like it's basically an inch size candlestick holder that I use for um, for these candles and then lost the other ones. So then we had to get rid of a succulent that was dead in order to put it, the other candle in the little succulent holder. So it's it's a homemade experience. I'm not, I don't know whether I'm going to go full uh, Beauty and the Beast candelabra, but it's, it's a nice treat when you deserve it. You're, you know, you're fancy too. So you deserve to have fancy dinner candles. That's my recommendation. Thank you for listening to this jam session gift spectacular. Uh, we we just want to be clear, not paid to recommend any of these not things. Not at all. Just things we liked. We wanted to do this for fun. It was fun. We hope you enjoyed it. Buy all these things for the people you love and for us. Why not? Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everyone. Happy holidays. <laughs>